Good morning. Good to see all of you and glad to be here today. And I'm just thinking that I walk out of the Sunday school classroom and say, well, the, what Carolyn said something like the devil's working or something. Did you say something like that? And, uh, you know, but you know what? Through that, God, God has his purpose. <laughs> you know, he allows, he allows certain things like challenges on a Sunday morning or whatever in worship or, or um, I, challenges in Sunday school. You know, I, that's okay. You know, it's, it's to get us to a point and to a focus. Maybe God's showing us something. So praise God for that. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. I ask, Father, please, that your blessed children's church, that these kids will get from your word what you have from them to receive, and that they'll have fun, and that they will just have a growing desire to know you and to give their lives to you, work through the children's church instructors and and may they just be blessed in doing that ministry, and may they just walk away joyful uh, in that. So take care of that. Take care of the message, Father. I pray that you would just, like the songs that open our eyes, Lord, help us to see. And I think through the, the sometimes the struggles or the challenges or whatever we might be facing, that we need to look at what you're doing to see what you want us to see. And so, Father, I thank you for that. And I pray, Father, please, that you just bless again your word and may it touch hearts and may the people walk away blessed and fed spiritually. And may you be glorified, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing on in our series of messages regarding the prayers of the apostles. And now we are in part six entitled Enlightenment. How many of you like to be enlightened by God? I mean, I love it when God reveals something to us that we hadn't seen before. How apropos today to enlighten us, right? Right? And so over the last five weeks, uh, we've looked at uh, what Jesus taught his disciples about prayer and how those concepts were incorporated into, the, into their prayers. So today I want to look at a specific prayer. There's some really great stuff in this prayer that I really like specifically today, and I hope you will too. Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 21 Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. The Apostle Paul cared about uh, those that he ministered to, right? He didn't just share the good news and move on. Okay, you're saved, you're baptized, move on. He is concerned about them growing in the Lord, loving as they should, caring for one another, loving one another, ministering to one another, growing in the Lord. He discipled them, he prayed for them. So he ministered to them, he led them to the Lord, he discipled them, he prayed for them. And that should be the heart of every pastor, is to lead people to Christ, right? To the good news and disciple them and help them to grow in the Lord. 
That's what we want for each other. We want each other to grow in the Lord and to be in prayer for each other, support each other. We are to, as the scripture points out, we are to endure one another's weaknesses. We are to love each other and mature and help each other grow. And I'm being challenged all the time in my character and who I am and, and God wants to shape me. So what I'm getting at is that that's an, an act of enlightenment. God's saying, look, I'm showing you something through this that you need to learn. And I'm going, okay. And that's something I need to learn, All right? So praise God for that. And I'm happy for that because enlightenment makes us, if we embrace what God reveals to us, we grow in him, amen? Right? When he shows us something, we say, okay, Lord, and we just rely on him and let him teach us and make us into the people he wants us to be. And so as every pastor desires to win people to Christ and disciple them and help them to grow in the Lord and prays for them, intercedes for them on a regular basis, that's what your pastor ought to be doing. That's definitely what I do. And, you know, I love the sheep just like the Apostle Paul loved the sheep. And I was thinking, how do pastors pastor, and I'm not saying they're wrong or anything like that. I know it's a different system broken down differently, but how do pastors pastor mega churches? Because I feel like my calling was to small churches. So I feel like I have a responsibility to be responsible for each one of you before God. That's overwhelming because I pray for everyone in here. Well, that I know, <laughs> okay? And, and as the members of the church come in or people are regularly attending here, I pray for them, and, but I also have that line where I'm like, okay, Lord, you hold me accountable for their spiritual well-being on the best that I can do. That is a tremendous responsibility, and it's very, very humbling and sometimes frightening. And so as the shepherd cares for his sheep, okay, as I, I care for our church, but I, I also, I have members from, I've pastored four churches and I have members from churches in the past that are still contacting me, still calling me for pastoral advice or they're hurting or whatever the case is. And, and so I'm, I'm blessed that I have that type of relationship that, that members of the church didn't just drop me and say, okay, check off next pastor. I'm still a part of their life. And I praise God for that. So I care for those from, from past churches. And of course, I want the best spiritually for each one of you and each, every person that God brings into my life. And I keep you in my prayers and I thank God for each and every one of you when I come to the Lord. So this prayer in Ephesians is one I pray for you as well. Okay, It's a prayer for enlightenment. Many times I have gone through and prayed for, for members of our congregation, just give them the enlightenment, help them to see, help them to be aware even more spiritually. And look, it's not saying that I don't need that. You pray for me, give them enlightenment, and help them to see wherever God the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for, for me, and as he leads me to pray for you, we should be in prayer for each other, right? Isn't that right? Amen. Right? Okay. So God's enlightenment will change our lives and our world. Well, if it changes our lives because we, we apply that which God is revealing to us to help us to be better, stronger, more committed, more in love with Jesus Christians, then that's going to affect the world and the environment we live in, right? 
So we're more on fire for Jesus. It's, that fire is not going to stay in its own little quarters. It's going to have an effect in the surroundings around them. Paul desires that God would give these Christians the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of God. And he desires that they be aware of the spiritual dimension. You know, we have the, the cliche, you're, you're, you're like an ostrich, you've got a head, head in the sand, right? Ostriches don't put their heads in the sand. <laughs> okay? So, but we need to understand that the principle there, sometimes, sometimes Christians will say, uh, I've, I, I, somehow I've, I've gone to church, I've done my part, whatever. We've heard it all before. But they're kind of insensitive to the spiritual world and realm around them in their walk with Jesus. And part of that has to do with their desire to follow Jesus as closely as God wants them to. And that's an ongoing growth process for us to desire to grow closer to God. We become, therefore, more spiritually aware of our, of our circumstances, what's happening in our life. We become more attuned to um, demonic warfare and how that comes into play in our walk because we're attacked demonically, whether we like to think that way or not. But we're, but we're victorious in Christ. It's just letting God show us what we need to see on a spiritual level to have the understanding we need to press forward and have victory and grow more in him. Um, Paul desires that God would give these Christians the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of God. Okay, and again, he desires for them to have that spiritual dimension. Knowledge of the spiritual dimension can change our lives. So ask yourself, within your own thinking, how aware are you of your spiritual surroundings? It sounds kind of weird, but it's spiritual. So it's really a sensitivity to the working of the Holy Spirit and the working of the unholy spirit or unholy powers as well. We can sense that warfare. How, how aware we are of the warfare and of the power of Christ and the victories that we have in him. Or are we oblivion to that aspect of our, of our life? We're just happy being saved and, and I know what I know, but I'm not really focused on the realm of a spiritual warfare. Okay? And, and, and that's a travesty if we're not aware of it. Because we need to be aware of it. We need to be attuned to that. We need to not be afraid of that. We need, because what happens is we, we, as we pursue Christ and we're aware of the spiritual elements that, that we're in play with in our walk with Christ, as we, as we walk through those spiritual uh, challenges or difficulties and God carries us, we see the power of God and our faith grows even more. Does that make sense? Our faith grows more as we experience the power of God and victory over evil. Amen? And that's something that, that only happens when we are more spiritually focused, spiritually minded. So, knowledge of the spiritual dimension can change our lives. In 2 Kings 6, 13 through 17, I want you to look at an illustration. This is, you've heard me say, there are so many things that are my favorite in the Bible. <laughs> text-wise, because I love, there's so many things I love in the Bible, but in particular, I've always been thrilled when I read this passage of Scripture. So 2 Kings chapter 6, 13 through 17. So the king of Syria said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him Elisha. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is on in Dothan. 
Therefore he sent horses and chariots and, great, and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? If you, if you saw your enemy all around the church, it's like, let's put this in real context. I mentioned last week about churches in Africa being shot up. Or let's put it in, into a closer context. Uh, churches or synagogues being assaulted in our own country, right? What, if you saw the assault coming, would you be afraid? Naturally, yes. But spiritually, we should be focused on God and what God is going to do. And that's a difficult place to be. Well, this is where this guy was at. You know, he sees this, the enemy army, they surrounded them, right? And he's saying, what are we going to do? What's he looking at? He's looking at the physical reality of the circumstance, and it's overwhelming. Now, as a Christian, we can say, okay, I see the reality. I see the physical circumstance. I know what's going on. I don't like it. It is definitely more than daunting. It is just terrifying to think about. But that's not where God wants you and I to live. God wants you and I to live in the strength and courage in him and, in, and, and knowing that God can do what he wants to do. Okay? So... What shall we do? Verse 16. So he answered, do not fear. That's the first thing. <laughs> we belong to God. Don't fear, right? Okay? Do not. I imagine that some that would see, we've seen it in the Columbine shootings, we've seen it in all the terrible, horrific things that are gone, and testimonies of those strong Christians that wouldn't say I'm a believer, wouldn't deny that they're a believer in Christ, where they just resolve, well, this is it. I'm going to see Jesus. There's a, there was, there's a spiritual maturity that said, even in these young people, that said, I trust in Jesus. I know where I'm going, and here it is. There, it was, even though in the midst of the fear and the circumstance, the reality was they were secure in their faith in God, whatever the outcome was. Now, that's a different perspective, is it not? We're shifting from the physical to the reality of the spiritual because of our relationship in Jesus that is real and everlasting. And Elijah prayed and said, well, first he said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. <laughs> I do love that. You, you guys know where this is going, right? Okay. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. Now fire represents judgment. God's army was going to bring judgment on the enemy. Now Elijah, Elijah didn't say, Lord, show me something to encourage me. Right? He didn't say that. What did he, Elisha said, he said, Lord, show my servant what you've got going on around me. That means that Elijah was used to that reality. He was used to the awareness of the spiritual reality of God's army, of God's work on his behalf. Don't think we're any less than that. We are God's children. 
No greater love can, can God have for us than what he has for us. We are no less valuable. We're not Elisha. We're not Elijah. We're not Abraham. We don't have to be. We're God's children. And he wants us to have that assurance in him. So Elisha is saying, Lord, show my servant. He's saying, Lord, comfort my servant. Show him you've got this. Well, wow, what a revelation. <laughs> a fiery, heavenly army ready to attack the enemy. Wow. Praise God for that. Elisha's servant obviously was fearful because he saw only the physical dimension. That's what happens when we're not walking in the spirit. God tells us, walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. That means be in tune with Jesus. Be aware of him. Be aware of the enemy's attack. Don't worry about it. Be aware of it. Know how to respond. Know how to yield to God's direction on how to deal with certain things. Elijah's servant was fearful. Again, he only saw the spiritual dimension. He only knew the king's army that surrounded the town awaiting to kill him, right? Elijah's spiritual eyes were already open. And he saw the spiritual dimension. And he was not afraid of what was going on in the physical realm. Now, the, the thing that's cool here is that apparently Elijah saw these things, these, the, the spiritual realm of God's army, was not anything new for him. You and I don't have the privilege of seeing a spiritual army around us. You know what I mean? We don't wake up and we go, oh, wow, look at God's army today. He, they're all set up in camp, ready to go with me wherever I go today. We don't see it. He saw it. So really, we're taking a step of greater faith because we're being told by God's word and by the example given here, know that God's army is on your side. Know that God's army defends you. Know that you have God to rely on against the spiritual warfare that comes your way. So Elisha wisely prayed for his servant's eyes to be open. God graciously, graciously answered, and the servant saw the spiritual dimension too. When we see God, let us just try. If you're aware that there is a spiritual dimension of, let's say, of darkness that comes against you, that's intimidating. And I could tell you some stories that you don't want to hear about that. But when you know the presence of the power of God with you, you're not seeing the army, but you know that he's right there. And he's holding you up. And we resolve that we're bought with a price. We're no longer our own, our own. We belong to him. And so whatever God's plan is, we trust God in that plan. Like those that knew, okay, I'm going to heaven now. Hallelujah, I'm going to go see Jesus. As an example. Now the servant knew God was more powerful and that he was there with them. That's what we need to remember, each one of us. God is always with us. He will never leave us, never forsake us. And whatever is conjured up by the enemy to come up against us, know that God is there. But the key is, is that we have to be focused on God. We have to not shift our focus onto the, on the physical realm and its reality as the primary objective. No, we need to look at that and sub, submit that to God and say, God, take care of this. I need you to take care of this, Father. 
Protect me, Father, I'm scared. Take away my fear. Whatever, we are aware of that relationship with Jesus. We all need to pray for our spiritual eyes to be open. We all need to pray for enlightenment. Sometimes in those difficult spiritual warfare times, we need to simply ask God, God, open my eyes to see. What do I need to see here to help me embrace you and your power and what you want me to do? Because if I, if I see that from you and I embrace that, I accept that, I apply that, then I experience you. Right? We're saying, God, I'm putting my faith in you and I'm going to experience you. Elisha, his servant, saw what God was going to do and they, they re rested in that. I mean, it'd be silly for Elisha and Elisha's servant to say, well, I don't care about that fiery army. Look at all those bad guys out there. That's kind of a stupid thing, isn't it? But they relied on God and his power. Enlightenment to God, his power, and his work can remove fears, doubts, worries, etc. Enlightenment can increase our faith and keep us strong. So if we embrace him, then we're going to receive a comfort of knowing that he's in control. We know that his power is at work. We know we can rely on his power. And we know that he can remove our fears, our doubts, and our worries about the circumstance. And what does that do to our faith? Do you think that servant became a believer or, or became a stronger believer in God? Amen. Yeah. Guess what? Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Many believed in Jesus because they saw him and knew him. You and I have never, never met him physically, never seen him with our eyes. Physically. But we put our faith in him, we believe in him, and we know him, and we praise God for that. Let's reread verse, verses 18 and 19. I ask that your minds may be open to see his light, so that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings he promises his people. And how very great is, is his power at work in us who believe. This power working in us is the same and mighty as the mighty strength. We know, we know that um, when God opens our eyes, God gives us hope. God, tell me what to do. Show me what to do. Reveal to me your strength. Whatever. Hope. We're no longer looking at a despairing situation of defeat. We're looking at hope, right? And then we realize the very great power of God and that he's working on our behalf, on our behalf. Once we receive Jesus, we're not all left on our own. Praise God. <laughs> we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We always have the Holy Spirit. Again, or never leave us nor forsake us. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says this, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. When we see all the garbage that's going on in the world politically, so socially, economically, whatever, is, we need to know and remember that God is right there with us. We know that. We know that. And we can rely on him. We, now we have received not the spirit of the world. We don't have to be afraid. We have the very presence of God. But the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 
What's God telling us to do in the world that we live in that he's always told us to do? Don't let the world quench your fire for me. Just keep doing what I tell you to do. Be the people I've called you to be. And don't fret about the circumstances. I got it. God's sovereign. God's in control. God knows what's going on. So the Holy Spirit, God himself, is living in us, ready to teach us and reveal to us all that we need to know. So no matter what comes around us, or no matter how intimidating things can be in the world around us, or how, how weighty things can get, we need to step back and look at the spiritual. And the spiritual is not aloof, it's a relationship with Jesus that is only more intensified as we focus on him, and as we rely on him. Just as God revealed to Elisha and his servant exactly what they needed to know in that moment of, coming, of, the, of that coming attack, so also Paul wanted the Ephesians and us to understand how great God's power was. Because when we see these things come against us that are overwhelming, that, that, that we, you know, we, we can see things and we say, okay, I've got the, uh, I know what I'm going to do. I know how I'm going to handle this. I know I'm in control. I can take care of this. But when things come our way that we can't control, we should always be giving it all over to God anyways. We shouldn't be reserving, oh God, I got this section. <laughs> and then you take the ones I can't get. No, we need to make sure we give it all of the, the sections of our life and the reality of our life to him and, and allow us uh, uh, to just depend on God and walk with God through each challenge. And that's what God wants us to do, is just rely on his power and walk in his spirit and, and have the confidence, Lord, you're with me. You're going to work this out. You're going to show me the answer. Help me to be faithful to what you have. And then you have hope. But that hope translates to what? Victory. Wow, that was a mess, God, but you brought me through it. Praise God. Praise God. So... Um, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We have to accept that scripture. I mean, we know it's true because it's God's word. But we have to accept the reality of that scripture because think of this. We have the same power in us that raised Jesus from the dead. How do we wrap our minds around that one? You don't. What you do is you say, there's nothing that God can't handle. There's nothing that God doesn't have the power to take care of. Right? So we, we may not realize the magnitude of the very power that rose Jesus from the dead indwells us. Why? That we can walk in hope and victory throughout the course of this crazy life and grow closer to him and be brighter for him. Right? The same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us and around us. <laughs> Here's a funny twist that just popped in my head. It has to be the great mighty, mighty work of God that can work in us. <laughs> what else can change us? Did you get my joke? Or did you not take it? It's a very mild. Hey, if you're going to be changed for God, 
Nothing else could do it but the very, very mighty power of God. Got it? Okay, good. I'm terrible at jokes. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Anyways, so if you're like me, okay, you have times, of course, we all sin and we experience weakness of faith, don't we? God knows that. No surprise to God. We can't surprise God. God knows. God knows everything, everything we're going to do, our entire course of life, every detail, every, every intent, everything. Nothing is by surprise to God because God already knows. Okay? Yet he still, he still loves us when we fall. Okay? Praise God. It can, it can seem hard to believe that Almighty God is working in us. That's why we need to pray for enlightenment. Okay, God, here's my situation. I'm backed up against the wall. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know how to deal with this. So instead of having a sense of anxiety where you're just anxious, say, okay, God, tell me what to do. Is it that easy? It's, it's that easy, but you've got to listen. <laughs> right? Because what happens, our mind shifts into gear of what we are going to do as opposed to what God is telling us to do. But if we know what God tells us to do and how to handle things, then we have the recourse needed to handle the situation. We pray for enlightenment. God, I need you to illuminate me. I need you to give me understanding. I need you to help me to see things the way you want me to see things. Help me to see through your eyes. Help me know that you see the circumstance. You know the odds. You know what's going on, but you have the pathway to get me through it. So show me, please, how. Our Heavenly Father, who loves us, is not going to deny us the answer. But he is going to expect us to ask him and to wait for him and to acknowledge when he's talking to us. And then we have to resolve within our own hearts and say, God, I don't like that idea, but I'm going to do it anyways. Because sometimes there are things that God will have us to do that really is not what we really want to do. But God is saying you're going to do it anyways if you're going to follow me. Yes, Lord. And we come out stronger in faith and confidence and surrender to Jesus because of it. Ask God to open your spiritual eyes to the work he is doing in you. If you're like me, you may also face attacks from the evil one, like we spoke of last week, right? And it may be hard to see how God will get you through that attack. And I'm reiterating here, because I've already said this, ask God to open your spiritual eyes, both to the evil one's attack and to, and to God the Holy Spirit working around you, protecting you, and providing for you, etc. The closer we get to God, the more we're going to be aware of the spiritual reality around us. But we're not going to be afraid of it. And I can say that from this standpoint, because we know that God has got us. Okay, so God's, think about this. God allows the enemy to attack. He has more faith in us and our faith in him than we do ourselves. And so if God has more faith in us, it's like we have more faith and confidence in our kids than what our kids have. We see in them what they don't see in themselves. 
God sees in us what we don't see in ourselves. He sees that we have the faith to handle circumstances that we would never have agreed to if we knew what was coming. <laughs> but God says, you can handle it because you have faith in me and you are, and I'm not just saying a general faith, you have a relationship with me that is at this level to where I know that you will walk through this because you're continue relying on me. But the key is we have to continue relying on him. Too often we limit ourselves because we just don't understand or accept or have faith to believe that Almighty God who can do anything, who created all that there is, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in us and working in our lives and in our world. God is working in you and me. And he's doing a marvelous work on our behalf for his glory. So what would our lives look like if we were walking through a life of enlightenment? What if every challenge we had, we knew that we sought God's enlightenment, God's instruction, God's answer, God's power, God's provision through that challenge and then have the hope and the victory? What would our life look like if we did that as a normal habit, if you will, not to minimalize it, but as a normal reality to our walk with God. Okay, God, here we go. Here's the next assignment. You're going to get me through, right? What would, our, what would our eyes look like if our eyes were open and 100% believing in God and his power? Never questioning his power because we can do that. You know why? Because we don't know how, we, it doesn't compute how it can be worked out. And so we memorialize the power of God. But we have to just say, God, the greater, remember what I've said? The greater the challenge, the greater the opportunity for God to be glorified as we rely on him. Would we be, would be, would we be afraid to witness to others? It's always a challenge, but if we're relying on the power of God, it might be a different a different reality in our walk. We might be bolder than what we thought we could be, right? Would we be quicker to seek forgiveness from others because of the power of God? Yeah, right? Would we, would we not be stressed out about what is going on in our world? Why? Because he's sovereign and God's got it. He's in control, right? It is what it is, but God is who he is. And I'm his, and he's in me, and I'm in him. Would our church be full of people? Would our church be brighter or a brighter lighthouse for God? If you're approaching everything from the power of God and the instruction of God that has enlightened us in the path to go in any given situation. It's just applying God to our life, but, but it's more than that. It's our relationship. It's, it's, it's saying, Lord, I'm just going to cling to you. And I'm going to ask you to take care of this. And I don't know how, but I know that you're going to take care of it. You know what God has told me many times? Life goes on. And if it doesn't, guess what? It's better. <laughs> because we're in heaven. Right? 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. 
But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, to deep things of God. I have repeated that verse over and over and over and over, over in my head. And you know what? I always put it into the future tense of what God has for us in eternity, but I forget that it's applied now. <laughs> And you, and you think of that reality, following Jesus, God will reveal things to us that we've never thought that he would do in our life. God would show us things that are out of our box of norm. God will show his, his miraculous power working in us, shaping us, making us, molding us, being the people that he wants us to be in ways that we have never thought about. Praise God for that. How does that happen? Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you keep my commandments. What is he saying? You just do everything you know to be right with God all the time. And that means even when we fall, we confess and repent with a genuine heart and we move forward. Because those things are forgiven, 1 John 1, 9, and taken care of. We need to pray for enlightenment to be able to know what great things God has prepared for us. I've, I, I've never seen anybody that wholeheartedly embraces Christ They didn't grow in him. And that growth is reflected in what God is doing in his life or her life. It's the only way we grow. <laughs> is by hanging on to Jesus and loving him. Because it's that love that surrenders ourselves to him. And that love that says, I want to be in your will. And that love that says, I want to experience you. I want to gain that spiritual enlightenment and insight that you have for me to receive. I want to be all that you foreordained me to be in you. And that's an exciting path. And no matter how challenging it is, God has the power to do it. And he can show us that. We need to pray again for enlightenment to be able to know what great things God has prepared for us. Show me, Lord. You know, I don't, I don't have my watch, but that's okay. I've told myself, Lord, quick testimony, promise. I said, Lord, there was a mentality that I was starting to develop that, oh, you know what, I'm not the man that I used to be. I don't have the energy I used to be. I don't think as clearly as I used to. I'm seeing some shortcomings in, in, in my physical abilities. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm on that, I used to say, I'm on that last quarter of my life. And then I'm kind of, kind of wind it down a little bit, face the reality. And then one day God told me, nonsense. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. I got plans for you. 
that you like all you home. They may not be the, what you expect, but then nonetheless, their plans and those plans are to do more and more things through you as you lean on me and live for me. And that should be our perspective, all of us. Lord, what do you have for me? What do you, what, what's, the next, what's the next thing? What are you doing? Because I am yours and you are in me and you have me living this side of heaven for a reason. So show me the reason, Lord. Enlighten me. Help me to be faithful to you. Let me be that instrument that you want to use for your glory. So how many things have we missed out on because of a lack of faith? Or a lack of knowledge of what God had for us? Ephesians 1.18 says, I ask that your minds may be open to see his light so that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings he promises his people. Ask. I ask that your minds be open to see his light, that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings he promises his people. It's basically there for you and I to just reach out to Jesus and I'll grab hold of. Don't ever be the Christian that says, oh, I've done that and done this and then you're idle for the rest of your life. That's not following Jesus. God's going to use us if we allow him to. Enlightenment will expand our world when we have faith and believe God's promises and words to us. So I believe God's word to me when God said to me, nonsense. <laughs> there are other chapters and you watch and you wait and you see that I have my plans and my purposes. Get to know God's promises in his word. Ask him to reveal his plans to you. And like the Apostle Paul, pray and seek enlightenment. Ask God to open your eyes to all God has for you and is doing for you. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you are scared to ask, God, what do you got for me? <laughs> are you brave enough to go to God and say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want from me? Because I want what you want. Because my life isn't mine. It belongs to you. Right? Or how many of you are saying, tell me, Lord, I can hardly wait to hear. <laughs> give me what, give me what, give me it. <laughs> right? Don't give it all at once. Just give me something. Keep leading me through. Right? And praise God because of that. So that spiritual enlightenment what a blessing, what a hope, what victory we have in God through that when we embrace him, when he shows us what he wants us to see on that level. That's exciting. And we can praise God for that. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for each person here today. And... Um, the one thing the enemy doesn't want, doesn't want us to be enlightened, and he doesn't want us to embrace you. He wants us to be distracted and living in our own power. But Father, I pray you help each one of us to not be distracted from you, but to be focused on you because of our love for you. And may we see you and your purpose and your plans and your power working in us for your purposes and for your glory. 
And may our hearts and our relationship with you just grow deeper and richer and purer and more joyful because of you, because of our relationship with you, because of our love relationship. I pray you honor that, Father. Father, in the invitation, when the invitation is offered, I pray that if there's anyone here that needs to make a decision for Christ, to ask Jesus in their heart that they would do so in the sanctuary or online, uh, knowing that Jesus, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose, that he's alive today in heaven, and that they come and they say to Lord, say to you, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I want to live for you. Come live in my heart and be my Savior, my Lord, and my God forever. And I pray that anyone hearing that that hasn't received you would, you would do just that. Help us as your children, Father, to be bolder, to be willing out of love to be bold. That love should give us greater boldness, a love for people. And help us to share your word and help us to share the gospel message with people as you give us opportunity. But it's by your power that we look to you to just say, Lord, I'm afraid, but be my strength and give me the boldness and the courage to represent you when you call me to. And that's, I pray for all of us, that you would do that. And Lord, I ask that in an invitation, if someone has a prayer request, somebody wants to follow through in baptism, someone wants to become a member of this church, whatever God has spoken to you about, you will know. And I pray, Father, that each one will respond accordingly to you. For your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.